Welcome to the Mouthy IP Podcast, where we discuss infection prevention for the busy dental profession. The Mouthy IP Podcast is created by Nebraska ICAP, Infection Control Assessment and Promotion Program, and is funded by the Nebraska DHHS HAI team via a CDC grant. Each podcast features experts discussing current infection prevention topics and answers to questions asked by dental professionals from Nebraska. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mouthy IP. You know, every podcast, we have the benefit of having some Midwest-based experts. So we have that awesome cast today. We have Sarah Stream, we have Kate Tyner, and we have Dr. Richard Hankins. And my name's Dan, not an expert, but I'm happy to join the group. On occasion, we are blessed to have a national expert. And today is one of those days. So please welcome Michelle Lee. She is with OSAP. Michelle, can you please introduce yourself? Certainly. So I am the executive director for OSAP. And for your listeners who might not know what OSAP is or who OSAP is, we're the Organization for Safety, Asepsis, and Prevention. We are the only dental membership association that has as its sole focus infection prevention education. And I assume many of your listeners may also um, be involved in APIC, which we are the dental version of APIC. Um, so that kind of brings it full circle. Um, but um, I've been um, with OSAP for the past five years. That's awesome. So um, we are right now in a very special month for dentistry. Yes. I am super excited about it. It is Dental Infection Control Awareness Month. And this is sponsored by OSAP. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. DICAM. Yes. So if you have seen some of our Facebook posts or you follow OSAP, there is a lot going on on social media right now for DICAM. Um, would you be able to talk a little bit about how DICAM got started and uh, what its purpose is? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I don't know the story of who created it and exactly when, because it was already in play when um, I came on board five years ago. Um, but we have really expanded it um, in these past few years. Um, so the purpose of it is to bring attention to infection prevention in the dental space and to not only help educate dental professionals, but even let patients know what we're doing to keep them safe when they come to the dentist. And, you know, dental visits are very safe because we're doing the right things. So DICAM, um, every week we have a different focus. Um, so we start out um, this year, our, the first week is hand hygiene. The second week is uh, dental, dental unit water lines. Uh, the third week is instrument processing. And the fourth week is a focus on personal protective equipment. And you think about it, you know, three years ago, how many patients would even know what PPE stood for? Right. But after the pandemic, I mean, we're, we're sitting there, all of us, when the pandemic first started watching the new, uh, 
press conference and hearing Washington talk about PPE and I, that hit me hard. And I thought, wow, patients are going to know now about PPE and we need to be letting them know what we're doing and how it's protecting them. I don't think you could have chosen your topics any better, Michelle. Like if you would have asked us based on what we see in the field, those four topics, we would have been 100% behind you on those selected focus weeks. So well done on that. Uh, thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you. Well, I've got a good, I've got a great team behind me. Because I, I will correct Dan, I am not the expert. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a lot of experts around me. Very cool. So we can definitely put like, I was just looking up, I'm used to like OSAP and Dental Infection Control Awareness Month. We should put that into the show notes. So that Absolutely. I'm going to link all the things anymore. in the show notes. Very good. Very um, good. And I'm excited that it's a whole month and not just a day or a week. Right. I feel like there's too much to talk about in a single day or even Gosh. a week. Absolutely. It could be all year, actually. And there would still be too much to talk about, I think. <laughs> And that is why we do what we do. That's because it. every day is dental infection control day for us. Yes. So um, with OSAP being a member-driven organization, um, people are able to get on and become a member if they would like. I have promoted it often. I think everybody should be a member of OSAP. Um, can you talk a little bit about how it got started mm -hmm. and... Um, how that membership kind of drives what you're doing? Sure. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I think it's a great, great story. Um, OSAP was started in 1984 because of AIDS and HIV. Because back in that time, think about it, there, there were a lot of dental professionals wearing gloves were that was not common. And um, so we were started out of a need to what do we need to do? How can we, again, protect our team members? How can we protect our patients? And um, so what's interesting, a lot of people don't realize it was manufacturers that started um, OSAP um, along with, they pulled in some other dental professionals, some dentists and came together to um, create this organization. And this organization it, today, the members, it's a very unique association in that it's clinicians, so the dentists, the hygienists, the assistants, it includes dental educators, it includes consultants, the people that go out into dental practices and, and do the, the update, the OSHA updates and um, HIPAA training. And then um, it also includes um, both private practice, DSOs, public health, um, military, um, VA, and then um, it's the manufacturers and distributors of infection control products. So everyone has an equal membership and our board is made up of a mixture of all of those individuals. I was really surprised to see so many public health professionals at the last annual conference that weren't in dental at all. They were just, you yeah. know, the, the state epi was coming to learn more or an IP from the state was coming to learn more. And that was really great to see. 
Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. And, you know, when we OSAP, um, because we're the, the only dental association that is solely focused on this, we collaborate with all of the other dental associations, all the national associations, um, including um, the um, American state and territorial AST dental directors <laughs> association. <laughs> That's it. I had to get the, the that acronym right. But so we we work with them. We work with the ADA, with the ADHA, with the Dental Assisting Association, all the specialty associations out there. Um, because when they need help um, identifying speakers, are especially through the pandemic when the different groups were working on um, toolkits for their members and frequently asked questions. OSAP subject matter experts were behind the scenes doing a lot of that work. And, um, and I just have to give them all a shout out because it, they did it without any funding. So Michelle, you, you, just referenced a whole lot of things that have been going on. And if you try to distill it, let's say in the past year, what's what has brought you joy? What is the one or two of the things that OSAP has completed or been a part of that you're most proud of? Oh, wow. Um, that's really hard to say one or two because there's so much that is happening. Um, even just our traditional things that we do every year, which is our dental infection control boot camp and our um, annual conference, the the information is just incredible um, that we are able to provide. But we we also do a lot of um, contract work. Um, for CDC, very connected with the Division of Oral Health um, and other areas of CDC. And this year, um, we um, created the first ever Antibiotic Stewardship Summit for dental. So that was hosted in January. And um, it went so well, CDC came and said, can you do it again? So we'll be having that again. Um, it'll be February this year because um, our boot camp was moved a week. Um, but we'll be hosting that summit again. And because, you know, dentists prescribe 10% of all the antibiotics out there. And so there's a need to educate. So I'm very proud of that. And then, and then there's this other little thing um, that... Um, it's really a big thing is our video, If Saliva Were Red. And that was premiered in January. And um, that has really excited me. Um, some of your listeners may have seen the older version, um, but we worked on getting funding to reshoot this. Um, it comes, it's a six minute video. And the patient saliva is dyed red so you see them in the chair having a dental procedure and you can see where that saliva goes throughout the operatory on the hands when they adjust their scrubs when they move their face mask you see it everywhere and the 
the visual message is so powerful and we have a, a facilitator's guide that goes with it. So, um, and it's free. Anyone can download this. They can download the facilitator's guide. They can answer the questions. They get an hour of dental CE um, at no cost, but the facilitator's guide is in English and in Spanish. That's awesome. And, um, so that's complimenting Michelle on this as a person who entered dental later in my infection control lifetime, I saw that if saliva was read video probably around 2010 or 2011 in preparation to go into like an academic medical center, dental yes. changed my life. I mean, like I've seen that video one time and the images are like burned on my retina. Like it is an absolutely, um, it makes an impression like I would say almost no education I've ever had in my life. So it really is a great, great presentation. I compliment you guys and commend you for it. I think it's well, I think you'll, I think you'll love the new version um, because, you know, we even went a little bit further with showing um, x-rays again, someone taking x-rays. So it's, it's only six minutes. Um, and, oh, and there's no um, spoken language in the video. And that is done on purpose so that anyone can watch it. Um, it's just some music in the background. It's a, it's always risky to redo a classic video yes. like that. <laughs> but, you know, the, the critics across the board are giving rave reviews. Yes, I, I agree. It was, it was great. And I, I have to care quest. Um, Institute for Oral Health gave us the funding to, to shoot it. We shot it in, um, Charlotte, North Carolina at Densply Saronis Training Academy. And if you've never been in there, it is absolutely beautiful. And the operatories are stark white. So that red just popped. Just <laughs> um, made it that much better. <laughs> I know you've said this a lot before, Kate, but you know, you've always said that working in a dental office is a lot like working in a butcher shop. Yeah. Yes, this I did is, say that. <laughs> this is that video. <laughs> this is why I think that. And so, Michelle, I think um, what I often say when I do infection control assessments in the field, in dental environments, is it's so germane to the people who work in dental, how much body fluid they're wading through. Mm. And I'm a person, my clinical experience was in the ICU. Oh. And body fluids were much much more controlled in the hospital mm -hmm. environment. And I think that dental practitioners don't necessarily see that, you know, when we right. think about healthcare and exposure, um, people think trauma, ICU, ER, or operating room. And really it's in these environments where um, day to day, there's just a lot of fluid all the time. And that's where the risks are. And so I often tell people that you don't see that but you, I just take a step back. And if you haven't seen the video, look at it as a nurse, I'm telling you, yeah. you do far more with body fluid than I ever did. And I think COVID we're learning so much about how fluids are much more likely to aerosolize right. healthcare setting. And so I, I'm super happy to hear when Sarah says that public health people are now, you know, much more present mm. at the OSAP meeting and whatnot because I think we learned a lot more about risk in COVID. If there's any silver lining, yes, that we have learned so much about disease transmission. Absolutely. Totally agree. 
Michelle, I was hoping to ask you about one of the topics for the Dental Infection Control Awareness Month. Uh, you mentioned the dental unit water lines was yes. one of the topics. And so um, in looking at uh, infectious disease outbreaks, I've always found it very interesting, the outbreaks that were associated with the dental, uh, the dental unit water lines, and that uh, it happened a few years ago in Orange County, but then it also came out as a, as a CDC Han last fall, which I found fascinating that the CDC felt the need to do that. Yes. Um, and so I was curious from your standpoint, why it, why are dental unit water lines such a problem to the point that the CDC is having to send out a Han? And then what is OSAP doing to try to address this going forward? Great, great question. Um, yeah, well, the the Han that went out on um, Halloween last year, I remember exactly where I was when it came out because um, I was waiting for it. Um, that was a result because we had another breakout cases related to water lines that had happened. And um, it is, um, and we had had, we had the one in Anaheim, we had the one in Atlanta, and then we had this third one happen. And, um, and pediatric patients were very sick from this. Um, and, and what happens is, and what people don't realize is, think about water goes through those very small lines. Even if you flush the lines, you can't get, you can't clear all, all that water. So water just, when water just sits, it's going to grow things. And again, remember, I'm not the expert, so I'm going to use the simple language here. And the, the reality is a lot of facilities, a lot of dental practices are not testing and treating their water lines. And it is, a, again, it's about um, you don't know what you don't know. And I think CDC said, hey, let's stop. We've got the guidance out there. There is some guidance that you need to be doing these things. The only state in the U.S. right now that regulates it and requires you to test and treat your water lines is in Washington. That's it. No one else. And I, you know, OSAP came out with a white paper um, in the fall of 2018 on how you, what the processes should be in treating your water lines. And we're continuing to push that. I do know that HICPAC has put together a work group on dental unit water lines. Um, so that's happening now. So I, I hope um, in the next year or so, we're going to have even more solid guidance on this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know people don't like things to become regulatory, but wow, you know, maybe that's what's going to happen, need to happen to get people to do it. Um, so, yeah, just trying to get that message out there. Um, we um, participate um, this year at our annual conference. Um, we had a team of individuals um, led by Dr. Shannon Mills, who's probably the leading expert on water lines in dentistry in the country. And he um, put together a mock trial that had to do with water lines. And it was so well done. And we are taking that. We were invited because of it to the American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry's 
annual conference next May to perform, do this mock trial for them. Um, because they, we had members from their association there and they said, this is important. And this is a great way to get this message across. Um, so we're very excited about that. It was a great mock trial. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> That's, I haven't heard the words mock trial since high school. To be honest with I'm you. assuming it's I'm a different mock trial, Kate. <laughs> it's what? I'm assuming it, it, it's different than the mock trial you did in high school. No, it was it was very much like they had a judge and they uh -huh. had the attorneys and the Oh wow. We had real attorneys. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, we had real attorneys. And um and then the audience, we were the jury. Right. Uh, interesting. I think it's a fantastic and interesting way to teach the topic because unfortunately it's not regulated, just like you say what will move people in their practice and that is the threat of litigation i think you're right is exactly what will move people towards it yeah, yeah. well and you know i mean who wants to do something that's gonna cause a child to have to take an antibiotic that they're gonna have a lifelong you know effect from i mean it's just it's just so scary yeah in nebraska one of the things we're doing with water lines and i think there's once you get people talking and, you know, making relationships, this is exactly the Han came out last year and we asked, you know, we had a infection preventionist from a children's hospital kind of call in and say, what is this? And so we saw the opportunity. I mean, this is a new piece of equipment that most infection preventionists, if you don't have a dental facility, right, in your clinic setting, you very well may have never seen one. But what we found is that operating rooms will have them. And so really needing to show like, this is what it looks like. This is what we're talking about. I'm really pleased that Sarah put that together because um, it's, it's a knowledge deficit for like hospital and ambulatory surgery based infection prevention nurses and clinical laboratory people. Uh, who don't well, you know, we really had to push messaging out um, when, you know, so, you know, dental offices, many dental offices were closed for many, many weeks at right. the beginning of the pandemic. Right. And we did have to push out messaging about what they needed to do before mm -hmm. they started treating patients again with, because of those water lines just being stagnant for so long. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm interested, Michelle, in um, you gave us a little bit of a teaser when we were getting ready for um, this podcast. You're currently at OSAP. What was your pathway like and what led you to the position that you're in now? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so um, this is my, um, I call it my second act. Um, my first career, um, I was with, um, I was in dental and medical staffing for 29 years. And um, so I started out right out of college. I was a communications major and um, uh, with a focus on journalism. And um, I answered an ad in the paper that tells you how old I was. It was a two line ad in a newspaper that said interviewing skills needed. And I thought, well, I'm a reporter. I can do anything. I can talk to anybody. And so um, it was for a staffing company that was owned by a dental hygienist. And um, so then um, I actually was responsible for starting up the medical division a few years later within the company, grew the company. I eventually bought it from the founder. And um, then I, um, I merged it with a larger company um, 
back in 2012 and um, stayed on with that company for about four years and then said, I'm, I'm ready for a new challenge. I want to do something different. And so I did do some consulting for about a year in dental practices, um, leadership training and team development training. And then I got a phone call. Um, the, the initial phone call was, do you know anyone? Because it was OSAP's based in Atlanta where I am. And, um, they were looking for executive director and I said, Oh, let me think about it. And they called me about three months later and said, have you thought of anybody and why aren't you interested? And so that's how it started. And, um, I knew OSAP because um, in the early 90s, we when um, Bloodborne Pathogen Standard first came out um, and dental offices were required to have that annual OSHA update, we hired a speaker to come and do this for our clients. And that speaker um, was a member of OSAP. So that's how I learned about OSAP. And that's the first time I ever saw If Saliva Were Red video. Um, so, um, I sat through 20 plus years of her sessions and learned a lot about infection prevention. And I was also in and out of dental practices, of course, my entire career. Um, and so seeing a lot of sterilization areas and, um, it was, it was something the vision of this organization I believed in from that first moment that every dental visit is a safe visit. So it just, um, I will say, I can't believe I, if you told me then that I would love it as much as I do, I wouldn't have believed you, but, um, it's the best second act I could ever have. It's a great group of people to work with. The members are incredible. The board is incredible. Um, and it's taken my regional um, knowledge to uh, national and international. We have international members as well. So um, it's been um, quite the journey over the past five years. And you throw in a pandemic in the middle of it. Right. <laughs> well, baptism by fire. That's very, very interesting. What, how has the, uh, the international members affected or has it has have, have the international members affected anything at OSAP I mean uh within healthcare and and you know lots of other industries you know we have an opportunity to work with those that were born outside of the U.S. Mm. and oftentimes that extra layer of diversity and experience um enables us or allows us to rethink uh, items that you know we we had taken for granted. Have you experienced any of that with your international membership? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's more of a um, when they attend our meetings. It's the discussions. It's the what about this? A, a lot of the countries will follow the CDC guidance. Um, they look for that, but they some of there's some different tweaks. I, I know some of our members in Australia, the PPE standards are a little different. Um, pretty much everything in Brazil is about the same. And um, we have a large contingency of members from Brazil. And um, my first year um, with OSAP, they decided to have their own week-long DICAM and, um, for Brazil. And now that is a full month. And um, so I've watched that grow. So I celebrate that with them and, and help them kick it off every month or every year. Um, 
but it's, um, I think it's just more of learning from each other. Um, and, and so many of our manufacturers, of course, um, many of them are based in Europe. Um, and so it's good for them to come and, and then they learn the standards here to make sure that whatever they're building meets the same requirements. We know exactly what you're talking about because we have to deal with those from Nebraska and those from <laughs> Iowa. And sometimes <laughs> it seems like those are worlds apart. I'm the outsider on the team because I live over the Iowa border. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so with your relationship to infection prevention, Michelle, I'm super interested in what you consider. I consider dental kind of the frontier of infection control coming mm -hmm. from a hospital environment. What do you consider kind of the frontier of the future for infection control in dental? I think one of the challenges is um, the dental unit water lines. I mean, we've talked about it. I mean, I just think that's a huge piece of this. And, um, and it's how can we, how can we all come to the agreement to do the right thing without it having to be regulatory? I mean, can that happen? Um, so, I mean, that's where I think that the push is right now. Um, and infection prevention. It needs to be. Um, and I think there's also a focus on patient safety um, going forward. And, and the majority of dentistry happens in, in private practices, right? And so there's, there's not reporting, but you know, you think about it when you are um, pilots, let's think about from a pilot perspective, if there's a safety incident that occurs, it's reported so that we can all learn from it. And that is a place I think we need to go to in dentistry. Although we're individual, it's there's no one coming to, to check on things, but how can we better learn from one another? And there's already um, some um, there's an entity set up that if people would just participate, it's called the Dental Patient Safety Foundation. And so it's a federal, um, it's not a federal regulation, it's a federal organization, nonprofit, that is confidential. And so if there's a dentist or a hygienist has a safety incident, maybe it's with a laser, who, who knows, they can report it confidentially and then that can be shared with others so that others can learn from that and so it's getting that message out there and there's and they've been working hard on this i mean osap does support the dental patient um safety foundation um and but i just think they're really struggling with, with getting people to report it Completely second your idea, Michelle. Um, I'll display my age. I came into infection control in 2005. And at that time, there were not federal regulations for reporting infection control events um, in the hospital setting. Um, and it, it was a rough time when that became a CMS requirement. Mm. And people had to begin reporting into NHSN. 
Um, right. and so in the early days of my career, our department reported into the federal system that was run by CDC called NIS. And that is exactly how I believe we gain the knowledge that these things continue to happen and we need to work together to solve them. Um, you know, these, we all need to learn about the science of preventing infections and preventing patient safety events, but we can't do that unless people talk openly about them. And so um, I, your point is very well heard, I think by this group. And I think that that's, um, I agree that that like voluntary reporting would be a very natural um, kind of next step. And for as long as, you know, they'll allow it, I think groups like yours and ours, uh, where we voluntarily help people solve problems, there will right. be a, an important mission for us to continue to do that. And we did, we had an episode, perhaps we can put it into the show notes, but Sarah put into the chat here, we did interview Dr. Steve Geierman from the Dental Patient Safety Organization. And and um, I will share that Dr. Steve Geierman is chair of the OSAP Association Board this year. Awesome. He became our chair um, July 1. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. And so um, I'm excited for the future of dental infection control. No, I just thank you for having uh, me on here today. So, I mean, because I've said for a long time, I unfortunately, OSAP has been dentistry's best kept secret. And um, through the pandemic, if there's any positive that could come out of that, it, it did help our awareness dental's awareness of our association a bit more. Um, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's such a, the resources that we have on our website, um, the free resources, the webinars, um, it's just incredible. And I think that um, um, there's a lot of people that could really benefit. But again, it's just the, the lack of knowledge. And, um, but it's always good when you bring it back to if saliva were red, because then people go, oh, that's OSAP? Yes, that's OSAP. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on with us today to celebrate DICAM. I was very excited when you got back to me very quickly and said yes. So it's been awesome. Oh, it's great. Great, Michelle. great to you. get to know all of you. Yeah, appreciate you being here. Well, I believe that's a wrap for this episode of the Mouthy IP. Again, thanks for uh, our, our great regular cast, plus our special guest, Michelle Lee, and of course, all of our uh, listeners to this podcast. Thank you for spending time with us learning about infection prevention and control in the dental setting. If you have questions you would like the team to chat about, feel free to call our ICAP Infection Control Hotline at 402-552-2881 or visit our website at icap.nebraskamed.com. Look for our next Mouthy IP podcast episode and don't forget to stay chatty about infection control in your office.